Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. We're in this series, Vocation Destination, and I want to take a, a moment just to sort of review where we've been and uh, where we're at today. So vocation destination is, is really about the idea that God has called each of us, first of all, into his family through Jesus Christ. He's called us into his family by giving us the good news of Jesus Christ, letting us know, as Jonathan said just a few moments ago, that our sins are forgiven, we're cleansed and holy, we're part of God's family, we're his children, his sons and daughters. Along with that calling means that our whole life has been transformed into one big holy response of love to all that God has done, a thankful response. And in our first message in this series, Vocation Destination, we learned that our calling really cl- it cleanses everything that we do. And, um, and so every little act, every little thing that we do in, in daily life is really part of our calling to the Lord because we can glorify God in everything we do. And last week we learned that sometimes in life God gives us choices, and not just choices between good and evil, but but sometimes choices between good and good. And that when we're called into God's family, God tells us, look, feel free to to pull triggers, to make decisions, to to choose which one of these two goods that, that you want to pursue, and know that you can pursue the one vigorously, without worrying about leaving the other as if that was a sin. Now, today's message is kind of a little bit of a balance to the first two messages because today's message really tells us that there is a truly unique place of service for each of us because of how God's created us, that he's given us a certain personality, certain abilities and gifts, and that... um, because of our uniqueness, our specialness, that there, there is a good place for us to plug into and then work in that place, as, as Paul says to the Romans, with, with diligence, with joy, with passion. So let's look at Romans chapter 12, with that being our introduction. And um, we'll read what Paul has to say. Romans chapter 12, I'm beginning at verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. 
If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. I think most people would agree that our work environment in today's world has gotten pretty complicated. It's a lot of stuff rushing at us all the time. One of um, our world's most renowned productivity and work gurus these days is a gentleman named David Allen. And he talks about the mounting stress level that we're all experiencing due to the fact that we have all this stuff constantly coming at us, not just at work, but also at home, in our friendships, on our weekends. There's just stuff constantly coming at us. Let me read his description. A major factor in the mounting stress level is that the actual nature of our jobs has changed much more dramatically and rapidly than have our training and our ability to deal with our work. In just the last half of the 20th century, what constituted work in the industrialized world was transformed from assembly line, make it and move it kinds of activity to what Peter Drucker has so aptly named knowledge work. In the old days, work was self-evident. Fields were to be plowed, machines tooled, boxes packed, cows milked, widgets cranked. You knew what work had to be done. You could see it. It was clear when the work was finished or not finished. Now, for many of us, there are no edges to most of our projects. Most people I know have at least half a dozen things they're trying to achieve right now, and even if they had the rest of their lives to try, they wouldn't be able to finish these to perfection. You're probably faced with the same dilemma. Are you? I know that I am in my life, no question. How good could that conference potentially be? How effective could the training program be or the structure of your executive's compensation package? How inspiring is the essay you're writing? How how motivating the staff meeting? How functional the reorganization? And a last question. How much available data could be relevant to doing those projects better? The answer is... An infinite amount, easily accessible, or at least potentially so, through the web. Can you imagine the dilemma that presents to each of us in our regular workaday world? And I'm going to present an even bigger factor, a spiritual factor. Of course, all these things are coming at us. But I want to ask you this question, how real... To you is Satan. And I'll I'll tie these two together in just a moment, but think for a moment how real to you is the devil. The last few weeks in my morning devotion, ironically, in one of my most peaceful places, my, my, my place on the back porch where I go every morning after I grab my morning cup of coffee and sit down on a lawn chair, open up my Bible and begin to read. In the last couple of weeks in that wonderful, quiet place, Satan has become much more real to me. And you know why? Because I'm reading the book of Job. And in the book of Job, Satan leaps off the pages. 
he, he gets personal with Job. You ever watch any of these crime shows or if you maybe have a buddy or a friend who's a police officer, they will tell you that many times on a crime scene, a murder scene, they can tell when there is a personal motivation behind a murder. And, and a couple of the signs are the extreme violence of the scene and the, and the obvious nature of the scene that there have been repeated blows to the victim. In that light, read the book of Job. And you will see the extreme violence with which Job attack, with which Satan attacks Job. Takes all his personal property and wealth. One by one, messengers come to Job. Your cattle are gone, your oxen are gone, your donkeys are gone, your camels are gone. And in each place where that happens, they also say, and by the way, your servants, those are gone too. Finally, the last messenger comes in the first round of this violent scene and says, Job, your children are gone. They're all dead. And then, of all things, Satan comes back for round two and assaults Job himself, takes his health away until he is sitting by the fireside, scraping the, the sores and the wounds on his body. And then he, then he takes his friends and even his wife from him. He alienates them. Now, can you imagine being this guy? And if you don't see extreme violence and repeated blows in that story, wow. Now, here's the thing. Job is not just the story of Job. Job is the story of everyone who follows Christ. Job is the story of you and me. And here's what I want you to write down in your crosswalk notes. As you're dealing with all this work that's rushing at you, know that on a spiritual level, Satan wants to use this stress and this pressure against you. Your life is a constant battle with Satan, and it is personal just as it was with Job. He is not afraid to knock you down again and again and again. He's not afraid to take your possessions from you, your family from you. He's not afraid to alienate your friends or your spouse. He's not afraid to attack you personally and take your health away because it is personal with him now. And you know why it's personal? Because his most personal, his deepest anger and hatred is reserved for the one we follow, Jesus Christ. And the moment that you and I sign up to follow Jesus Christ, we enter a field of battle. We have to know that. See, so often in the church, We're together, and we understand that we're together, but I think the metaphor that many of us have for the church is we're sailing through this world to the eternal life, heaven, that God has promised us. And maybe it's not intentional, but we get this metaphor in our mind that we're 
on a carnival cruise liner. And that now that we're in God's family, things are going to get better, right? And, and what we now have to worry about on this beautiful carnival cruise liner called the church is making sure our friends are all around us, making sure that we get plenty of time to sit by the pool and some waiter's going to bring us a drink. And when we get hungry, we'll go belly up to the buffet. And that's the idea that many people have about the church. The church is not service, but the church is serve us. And Satan will use that because if that's our expectation, when real life hits, when he attacks, when we begin to bear that cross and that suffering that Jesus promises everyone who follows him, imagine what that expectation does. When your expectation is the church is all about serve us, and all of a sudden life says, no, it's about service. It's about carrying your cross. It's about being on this field of battle. In other words, the metaphor that we all need to have in our minds for this ship is not at all a carnival cruise liner. It's a battleship. And I want you to notice the difference in how this applies to your service, how this applies to your calling in life. Because on a carnival cruise liner, the vast majority of the people have nothing to do with the operation of the ship other than handing their cash over. Not on a battleship. On a battleship, every last person has an important role to play. And it doesn't matter whether you're a, a cook down in the galley or some guy with grease all over you down in the engine room in the very bowels of the ship where there's hardly any light, or you're manning a gun on the deck of the ship or swabbing that deck to keep it clean, or if you're up in the con tower, making sure that the ship is going in the right direction. Every last role is important, and they are all different. Every last one of them is different. So here's where we start today's message. Take your crosswalk notes out. And let's just realize that with all this pressure, stress, stuff, and work coming at us, that the first thing we have to understand is this devil, this Satan, who is our personally sworn enemy, wants to use that stuff to alienate you even from Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul writes, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We need to understand that we are in battle and we have to armor up, Paul says. Not just a little bit, but put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, I want you to think about this, and now we're going to go back to Romans 12. Notice what Paul says in verses 1 to 3. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. We underline those words, living sacrifices. If we're on a cruise ship, 
making ourselves living sacrifices makes no sense at all. We're not here to make sacrifices of ourselves. We're here to enjoy life and be taken care of. And somebody else better be making all the sacrifices. But do you see what Paul says here? As you look back, he says, at all the mercy that God has shown you, as you keep that in view, now realize there are going to be opportunities that God is going to give you to sacrifice your body for him. And he goes on to say that as you do that, that is going to be an act of worship. Now, do you know why we worship? Worship is truly nothing more than our heart's response to God's amazing love, his goodness to us. And so the very first thing that we have to concentrate on in this message is, yes, we have floods of stuff coming at us. It feels like we're drinking from a fire hydrant every day. And yes, on a spiritual plane, Satan is out to get us. But there is something much stronger, much more powerful that that we can never forget and we must always keep in view. And that is God's faithful love for us. That he will never stop loving us. In fact, the Bible tells us while we were still sinners, God sent his son for us. And that message can never be lost sight of. That as we walk around in this world, we are guilt-free. We are, as we're going to read in just a moment, holy people of God, perfect in God's sight. Not because of anything that we've done, not because we deserve it, but simply because we have a heavenly father that so loved us that he sent his one and only son for us. That's not an amazing thing. And Paul in Romans chapter 8 basically says this, if God would give up his one and only son for you in his love, think for a moment, he says, what else could there possibly be that God would not do for you in his love? And so as you're facing this flood of stuff coming at you, as you're realizing that you're on a battleship and that this battle is with a, a Satan that has a personal need to take you down, keep God's amazing love in view because in that love, he will protect you, he will guide you, and most of all, he will keep you safe until through his son, through faith in Jesus Christ, you reach your heavenly home on that ship. Take a look at what Peter says. As you come to him, this is Jesus Christ, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You know what's amazing and similar between Peter's words and Paul's words? He's talking to people who formerly had known nothing about God. Paul, when he's writing to the Romans, 
in, in this section, if you read especially chapter 11, which is the chapter right before the chapter we're reading now, he's, he's really answering this question. He's saying, why is it that the Gentiles who formerly knew nothing about God are now being drawn by the Holy Spirit to God? And, and in that chapter, he basically answers that question by saying, because God loves the whole world. And if you are part of the whole world, then God loves you. Now, God's given you the authority. He's given you the power to say, God, I don't want you in my life. And you can use that power and authority if you desire. But know this. Even if you try to hold God at arm's length and keep him away, even if you stiff arm him constantly, he will never stop loving you. And the sacrifice that he gave for you is the ultimate sacrifice. And now he says to us, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Those are important words for all of us to hear. And that's why when Peter says, as you come to him, the living stone, he's been rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him. Jesus is his special choice to deliver you and me. You also, like living stones, like Jesus, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, and now the rest of your life, as you keep God's mercy and love and forgiveness and grace in view, is making yourself a living sacrifice. Now, because your worship response is going to be unique, then your service to God is going to be one of a kind. That's our first point. I want you to to write this in. My vocation destination, the place that I'm called to serve in life, is unique to me because my service is my personal worship response to my God-given new status. How willing am I now to respond in worship to this immense love that God has shown me in his son, Jesus Christ, to this forgiveness and grace? Am I willing to be on this battleship? To be self-sacrificial? To say that my life truly is about service and not serve us? That response, that worship response, is going to be one of the first things that makes your particular service to God unique. Let's flip the page. God says there's something else that makes our service to God unique on this battleship. And that is that we don't all share the same measure of gifts, even the same measure of the gift of faith. Take a look at what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In other words, realize that there are different levels of gifts. Be sober when you evaluate your own gifts. And then notice what he says right after that. In accordance with the measure of faith, God has given you. 
Did you know that your faith is a gift from God too? True, it's your believing. You are the one that is clinging to God, but you can't do that unless God works that faith in you, unless God gives you measures of faith by leading you to the means of grace, the word of God, the sacraments, baptism, and the Lord's Supper, by imparting the Holy Spirit to you through these means of grace, and by growing you day by day in your ability, your willingness to lean more and more on God. Now, you know how it is. Our life of faith goes up and down all the time. It's kind of like one of those stock charts, right? And some days, man, my faith is like this. I can just plop down on God. I can fully rest in him, sit down in him, and completely trust that God is going to hold me up no matter what's happening in my life. I just talked to a person this morning who found out this past week that she lost her job. Many of you have been there. And as much as we hate having all this stuff constantly coming at us at work, here's what we all hate more. When the tap gets turned off, and now all of a sudden we got nothing coming at us until we find the next job, right? And it creates worry. There's a mortgage. There's children to take care of, clothes to buy, food to put on the table. And some days in those dire situations, man, I can sit down in God and boom, he's right there. I know he's going to take care of me. I don't need the job. And I'm reading my Bible. I'm going, God, you tell me that you will supply my daily bread. I'm not going to worry. And then other days, it's more like this. I'm leaning. I don't know. Is this chair really going to hold me? Maybe I'll sit just a little bit on the corner of it here, but I'm not really going to put my weight down on it. I need to be thinking about what I'm going to do about the problem. I need to worry and fret that, hey, if I don't do this or do that, and really my chair is no longer God, what's my chair? chair is me. And I can tell you, I make a very shaky chair. And so do you. And that's, that's why when we're talking about our vocation destination, we're talking about what God is calling us to in life. The second thing that makes our particular service to God on this day, at this time, is how much am I willing to sit down in God, rest in him? What measure of faith has God given me today? Pull out your crosswalk notes again. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. Some people just, man, they just get us with their advice. It's amazing what God does through people. To another, the message of knowledge. 
by means of the same spirit. And notice what he says. To another, faith by the same spirit. All these are the work of what? One in the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. And then Peter says something that's really important. As you understand that your faith is a gift from God and that he measures it out to you through the means of grace, as you're in touch with him through the word and the sacraments, understand that he is the strength to serve. Peter says that if anyone serves, he should do it with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. As we go and try to figure out, okay, where's my special place? Where's my unique fit on this battleship? Realize that our measure of faith on this day at this time is going to impact our ability to serve just as it would on a real battleship, right? Think about it for just a moment. If you're on the deck of a real battleship and that battleship is having shells lobbed at it and it's being strafed by enemy aircraft and all of a sudden you have no faith that you're protected, what's the first thing that you're going to do? You're going to look for some hatch so that you can get as deep into that ship as you possibly can and away from that enemy fire, right? But if you believe that you have protection, even supernatural protection, you believe in the people around you that are serving in the places that God has called them to, that now because you can sit fully in God, you are capable of moving to whatever position on that battleship, wherever it is that God needs you. That's why this is so important, because we can't serve God in the strength of our own faith. We have to serve him in the strength of the faith that he gives us. But here's one last important thing. Notice that you don't have to stay where you're at. You can grow in this faith. You can take time each day to be in touch with the means of grace, which is where the Holy Spirit is. You can be baptized. You can come to the Lord's Supper and be strengthened to sit fully and rest fully in God's love and power. That's what Peter says. And that's what he encourages us to do. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Will you write that down? My measure of faith can grow. When I'm in touch with the means of grace each day, even though that stock chart may go up and down, the trend gradually is going to move upward. So here's the second reason why your place of service on this battleship and in your world is unique, is because it's your, your service flows from your God-given measure of faith. And then there's one last reason, and that's that you've all been given different gifts and abilities. 
Some of them are spiritual gifts, like the ones that we're reading about here in Romans chapter 12. You can read about different spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 too. You have different hearts and passions. You have different abilities and personalities. Some of you are introverts. Some of you are extroverts. Some of you are doers. Some of you are developers. Some of you are dreamers. We've all had different experiences in life. And through all of that, God shapes us differently so that we can take different positions, all of them important on this battleship. Notice what Jesus taught his disciples. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. And notice, he doesn't give them all the same amounts of property. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another two, and to another one talent, each according to his ability, and then he went on his journey. Each one of us is uniquely talented. And because of that, we have to sort of figure out those things. What are my spiritual gifts? What are my passions? What abilities has God given me? kind of personality do I have? What experiences have outfitted me for God? And I want to say that as you think about all of these various aspects to your giftedness and your talents, there's ways to help understand yourself better. You can do a self-analysis of all those things. You can talk to friends. There are various different inventories that you can take. But it's really important for us to take a moment and just get back to who am I? One of of the things that I think churches so often make a mistake in is to just plug people in anywhere where there's a need. And I want to tell you, at Crosswalk, it's never been our desire to just plug people in just because there's a need to fill holes. What, what we want is for every person at this church to find their unique gift and talent and, and be able to almost get to a point where, at least in your primary ministry, You could say, I'm only going to do what only I can do. Think about that statement for a minute. What if everybody at Crosswalk would say, I'm only going to do what only I can do? You know what that would mean? Every one of us would have taken the time to ask ourselves and to analyze and figure out what is it that only I can do. And then I'm going to focus there where my spiritual gifts, my passions, my abilities, my personality, my experiences make me a perfect fit. And by the way, that works great not just in a church, Works great in your daily life, too. So that you're not just working for the man. And, and you're not 
just working so that you can get a paycheck at the end of the week. It, it also works there. Remember our first message where we said everything we do is our service to God, not just the stuff here at church? So take some time. Invest some money in some coffee at Starbucks with one of your most trusted friends and say to them, who am I? What, what do you think my gifts and abilities are? Where do I best fit? Buy some books that can help you kind of do some of those inventories and, and figure this out. Because when you do, your life gets filled up with a lot more passion. In Psalm 139, there's a beautiful passage that says that God knit us together in our mother's womb. He literally took care of the details of how you were made. Look at what it says here. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. And that's the third reason why your place of service is unique. It's unique to you because your service is determined by your God-given abilities. You know what's beautiful about all this? Whatever your God-given abilities are, even whatever your measure of faith is, all of us can come back to this thing that we just read. There's one Lord, one God, one Spirit who loves you, who sent his Son for you, and who takes you and molds you and grows you because he loves you. The, the good news that even though when we go through something like this, we might say, wow, I don't know. I feel like I'm not there. I feel like I'm failing at this. I'm not sure I'm plugged into the right place. I'm not sure I'm tapped into my passions. Or maybe even worse, I'm sure I'm not. And I'm daily being drugged down. And I'm complaining and I'm grousing like those children of Israel wandering through the wilderness. Or maybe you're like these Romans thinking that you're all that and Paul has to say to you like he said to them, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. No matter where you're at in that spectrum, you have God's mercy to keep in view. And when you do that, this is what Paul says to you. Those last verses of Romans chapter 12. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. 
We all belong to each other. It's true, Paul says. We all have different gifts according to the grace given us. And so use your gift. If your gift is prophesying, Paul says, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Take a look at your next steps, living the adventure. First thing I'd like you to think about this week in response to the message that, you heard, that you've heard is commit to stopping comparisons. One of the things that locks us up on this battleship church is we're constantly comparing ourselves and our gifts to someone else. It's a waste of time. Find out how God has built you. It's, it wastes energy for the battle to compare gifts. Secondly, be diligent. Now, this might sound a little bit like an oxymoron, to be diligent resting. But remember how important it is that we keep God's love, mercy, grace, and forgiveness in view. So be diligent resting in Christ's mercy and in using your spiritual unique gifts. And then finally, meditate on and memorize this beautiful passage from Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices Holy and pleasing to God, that is your spiritual act of worship. You have a place all to yourself. A place of service where you can say, I'm going to only do what only I can do. Let's pray. First of all, Father, we just thank you for Jesus. As sinners, Lord, we recognize that um, we, we so often foul up this thing called service. We, um, we have so much stuff coming at us, and we, we cave into the pressure of that. And Satan attacks us. And sometimes through his repeated blows, Lord, we confess that we fall to the temptation. Lord, help us to, to keep discouragement and dismay away from our hearts and minds and help us to be willing to rest fully in you, knowing how much you love us. You sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, for us. What greater gift, what greater sign of your love could there possibly be? Lord, as we keep that mercy in view, help us each to find our unique place of service in our workaday world, in our families, and right here at Crosswalk. Lord, show us where that place is, where it's a place all to, my, all, all to myself, a place where I only will be doing what only I can do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.